old school Paul, new school Justin. Man, y'all still going to school though. <laughs> Sit down, listen up. Father, son, y'all think it's just another one. Fade the beta, they be grading players, all it's done is made the piper pay me. And they've been grinding lately, up late, hit the waivers, don't hate the player, hate me. It's just a game boy, never gifted one on Christmas. Instead, I asked for ships to hit everything off my wish list. Check the litmus, do y'all really not get this? Hit this triangular shaped button, I don't want you to miss this. But I guess that's really none of my business Me risky free, cruise with pollen, Justin, just listening Yards after contact and catch, that's a lot of distance The kind of info make me wanna blow opponents' kisses But I gotta be clear, there was one key difference Relationship is deep in this vein of ellipses Like how Justin agreed to washing all the dishes I'm just grateful Paul turned the miss into the missus Father, son, pie, get down on the get down If you don't get it now, then get, get out Father, son, pie, sit down and get rich now if you're not feeling it now then get get out what's up everybody welcome to the father son fantasy football podcast my name is paul my name is justin and i mentioned this year our redraft content is going to top the past two years we're going above and beyond you know we got marcus grant from nfl.com what's going on marcus what's up marcus what's going on guys i appreciate you having me on yeah, you know, we're a star-studded cast. We're bringing in the fire. You can follow my dad on Twitter at PaulFSFF. My Twitter is at JustinFSFF. I got to change that. I can't keep saying this FSFF thing. It's a lot of, of tongue-twisterness <laughs> going on. That's a mouthful, man. <laughs> I'm getting used to it, but still, my, my, my mouth, my jaw, it's just not, it's not a good situation. And Marcus' Twitter, at MarcusG. Follow him there. Star-studded lineup. Last redraft pod, we had J.J. Zacharyson at Layround QB from Number Fire and FanDuel. This time we get Marcus from NFL. We're getting a lot of good guests on. This is this is great for us. It is great. Studs. We're getting studs Stud, on. And there's a stud fantastic. coming into the league this year in Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, not the first running back off the board, not the second, but the third running back off the board. And I love him as a prospect profile. You, this guy lit it up at the combine running a 4.39 somehow at 228 pounds, a 99th percentile speed score. You talk about dynasty. I like him as a dynasty prospect. We're talking redraft here. And he's currently going in the – what round does he have a fourth round? Trying to open my notes right here. Yeah, he's going early, early fourth, in the fourth round. Sometimes he's probably going to come going up right now. It's, it is June, so we'll come August time. He's going to be probably going into the late third, early fourth round. But, Marcus, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor? How do you think it's going to work out with Marlon Mack there? We know what Marlon Mack is. Uh, I, he's underrated. I think he's pretty good. But Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I love Jonathan Taylor before the draft. He was he was my number one running back in this past draft class. Um, you know, I know folks like DeAndre Swift, which I you know, I had no beef with that. But just watching Taylor at Wisconsin, I loved what he did. I loved, you know, the way he ran. Um, I think I described the Colts drafting him as, you know, it's like putting a hat on a hat, right? Except one of the hats was one of the most productive running backs in college football history. Um, I think, though, what, what frustrates me about this situation has nothing to do with Taylor and everything to do with Marlon Mack. Because last year, I was big on Mack. I had him as a sleeper. He was a guy I tried to draft in the third or fourth rounds in a lot of places. And I felt like the returns were okay. Um, I don't think it was totally his fault. I mean, the, their wide receiver core just was decimated. It made it hard to move the football overall. And so I think that sort of hurt him. He still had 1,000 yards. Um, but just listening to all the conversations coming out of Indianapolis right now, right? That, that you've got, you've got Frank Reich, you've got the offensive coordinator uh, talking about 
how they plan to use both of these guys. Uh, you know, that, that it's going to be sort of a one-two punch that, you know, you've got Frank Wright coming back and saying, we respect a lot of what Marlon Mack can do and we want to still get him on the field. And then maybe the biggest fly in the ointment right now in Indianapolis is Naheem Hines um, because they have said, I mean, Frank Reich said uh, a few weeks ago, he can envision a game where Hines, where Hines has 10, 10 or more catches. Like that's possible this year. Uh, you've got Philip Rivers there who was notorious for throwing to his running backs. I mean, look at what Austin Eckler did last season, the last couple of seasons. Look at what Danny Woodhead did with the Chargers in San Diego before that. So I think, I think dynasty wise, like I love Taylor because Mac's not going to be there forever. But this year, I am. I want to be optimistic because, like I said, I love him and I love his goal line potential. Uh, I just fear that all three of these guys are sort of going to eat off of each other's plates and leave us all a little bit frustrated when it's all said and done. Yeah, the Naheem Hines thing is definitely a thing among Twitter. People are saying oh, it's going to cap Jonathan Taylor's upside. Last season, towards the end of the. Uh, stretch in weeks 13 to 16. They didn't really have a running back. I think Marlon Mack went down, and they didn't really give Naheem Hines a lot of work. He saw two targets, five targets, two targets, and one target. He, people keep saying that Naheem Hines is going to eat into the receiving volume. I think you can probably factor in like 5 to 10% of the, the snap share and whatnot a game for Naheem Hines to take some away. But Jonathan Taylor, uh, people I think are a little discrediting his receiving ability. Granted, he's not a prolific receiver coming out of college as DeAndre Swift was or anything like that. Marlon Mack, a good pass catcher as well, and I think that he's got to get a little bit more respect for that too. But it's almost night and day between Mack and Jonathan Taylor from a prospect profile. You look at Jonathan Taylor with the insane 99th percentile speed score, 6K rushing yards over three years of college. That's insane. No one's ever seen that before. They traded up to get him. Granted, it wasn't a big trade up, and they took Michael Pittman before, but they still traded up to make sure that they got their guy. In the war room, you saw Chris Bowers compare him to Captain America, which I don't think, you know, you can't really go wrong with someone comparing a running back to Captain America. I mean, I'll take that every day. And I'm going to compare it to a Nick Chubb situation. People are comparing Nick Chubb, and I think it's a decent correlation. They're both very, very good rushers. I think Jonathan Taylor is already in the top five in rushing ability in the NFL. You can give Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb the top two. But Jonathan Taylor, one of the best inside rushers we've seen in some time, and now he gets Quentin Nelson. First four weeks of September, I'm not expecting a lot. I don't think you're going to see him do anything. You're probably going to stay like 50-50 with Marlon Mack here there. But the difference between the two of them, I think Frank Reich's going to see it right away. It's 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 Jonathan Taylor, a world-class prospect. Same thing with Nick Chubb. He had Carlos Hyde there in Cleveland two years ago and then waited till week eight to make that big jump. The next thing you know, Chubb took over and won people championships. I think you can see a similar thing here. And it's possible that Jonathan Taylor is a league winner for people if you draft him in the fourth round. However, that ADP is probably going to creep up. So we'll see about that. You like Jonathan Taylor coming in this year? It's, it's, it's tough. You got to bank on the upside. I mean, I, I do. I, I agree with Marcus. I, I think he's great for Dynasty. Uh, not for this year, but probably for next year. So, so look, the good news is he's going to be able to run behind one of the best offensive lines in the league, right? The, co- the coach is definitely offensive-minded, but he wants to, he wants to be a committee, I think. Um, he wants to run off and be efficient. Like, the bad news is, is I think it's going to be a committee there in 2020. So, listen, Marlon Mack is no slouch. He's not going anywhere. I mean, they, they're, they are going to see the talent in Taylor. But what, Mark, what uh, Marlon Mack has done, he's had back-to-back successful seasons on the ground with, with over 900 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. I mean, he's not going anywhere. Um, it Maybe in 2021 they'll transition into Taylor. Uh, for redraft purposes, I think Taylor will see his fair share of work, maybe 15, 20 touches a game. Um, his hype 
is high right now, and I think it's going to get even higher and maybe a little out of control as this, as we edge toward the season. <laughs> yeah. But he is, he's a fantastic He's going as a 408 right now, according to FF Calculator. That's probably going to creep up. But if you say you already have two running backs for your team and one wide receiver, I think he's a great RB3 for your team because he has the oh, upside to oh, be sure. a leader. No doubt. Yeah, he's no, no, no doubt. You know what I think is what I think is interesting, and I, I've mentioned this to a couple of people before, is that you know what happens is I feel like for those of us who do this, who spend all year on this, um, we all sort of get – Look, we end up kind of all talking to each other, and I think it sort of affects a player's ADP. And then I think what ends up happening, both good and bad, is that when you get to, you know, say July and August, and you get more casual people coming in and drafting, it sort of balances it out, right? So we may be, you know, maybe over, like, look at a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? Like, I feel like we are, like, over the moon about what this guy can do. Like, I've seen him go early second round in a lot of drafts. Um, when in Kansas City, they're they're still not completely out on Damian Williams, and so I feel like you know while while those of us who do this all the time are really excited about Ceh, I think when you get the casual drafters in who maybe don't know quite as much or haven't studied it quite as much, like I think that'll sort of even it out. And I think the same with Jonathan Taylor. While a lot of us are being very cautious about him, I think you'll get a lot of people who just like rush head on and draft him early. Sure. And so I think I think what ends up happening is by the time we get to mid-August, I feel like everybody's ADPs are about right because we've sort of counterbalanced each other. Yeah, yeah. We, you, you, like you just said, we've, we've done some dynasty startups and stuff and there are people out there that love all the rookies. They'll Rookie get that, they'll jump it's, and it's grab in, them rookies so early. All of them. It's crazy. Rookie fever is intact right now, especially in June. Another like that discount not on the show sheet, but DeAndre Swift's going about a round and a half later, and he's in a similar situation with Jonathan Taylor, where you have Carryon Johnson there. Except for the difference yeah. between Carryon Johnson and Marlon Mack is Carryon Johnson, unfortunately, hasn't really done anything. And I think it's easier for him to uptake Carryon Johnson than it would be for Jonathan Taylor to uptake Marlon Mack. But DeAndre Swift, similar to my favorite running back, Miles Sanders. So, you know, I, I can't not like DeAndre Swift. <laughs> yeah. The guy I was touting all offseason last year was Chris Godwin. I said he's, he's better than Mike Evans. I still believe he's better than Mike Evans. I always will believe he's better than Mike Evans as a wide receiver. This year, the ADPs are way closer. Though. You don't have to spend a third-round pick on Mike Evans, and you can get Chris Godwin in the third or sixth round. This year, they're both going in the second round, currently going as wide receiver six and seven. Godwin's going one pick ahead of Mike Evans. So, Marcus, who, who you got between these two guys and why? Oh, it's Godwin all day. Oh, oh that's All Godwin. day. That's, that's um, my, my fear with Mike Evans, here's the thing. I'm scared about Mike Evans as a, as a top ten wide receiver. But like I'm also too chicken to actually drop him out beyond beyond like the top twelve or fifteen in my rankings, just because like you know like I'm 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 a chicken like that. Um, what what worries me about Evans is not having Jameis Winston, which I know sounds like a weird thing to say, um, but part of what made the Winston Evans connection great is that. Um, Jameis, like he throws what I like to call YOLO balls, right? Like when things sort of break down, he just throws those YOLO balls and chances are Mike Evans is going to go up and get him. I mean, Mike Evans to me, I said Mike Evans should have won the Heisman Trophy over Johnny Manziel because every time I watch Texas A&M, like I'd see Manziel run around and then when things broke down, he would just throw it up. And I'm like, this Evans kid is pretty good. Like he seems to be saving a lot of these plays. And I think he did the same with Jameis. Having Tom Brady there, one, uh, what we've seen out of Brady the last few years suggests that the the deep arm strength and deep arm accuracy is not where it once was earlier in his career. I mean, that's that's no knock on him. He's going to be 43 years old in August. It happens. Um, but 
Godwin is that guy who can sort of play everywhere, who can sort of, who can definitely play in the slot and run some of those intermediate routes and is great after the catch. That's not something Mike Evans does. And the other part that worries me is with Gronk there, uh, with OJ Howard still there, with Cameron Brait still there even, um, those are guys that potentially take some of those end zone targets that Mike Evans would otherwise have gotten. Um, so I, I, I see a drop-off coming for, for Evans that I don't see for Godwin. But like I said at the start of that, uh, I'm too scared to actually move him way down in my rankings just for fear that you know something does click and he ends up having a good season. Yeah, Dad, who, who you got between yeah, he, two guys? I mean, you can't drop him down. These two guys are studs. I mean, oh, I, st- right. I, I love the upside of Godwin. I'm going to go on Godwin also. So the Tampa Bay offense was built for fantasy production through the air, and they supported mm-hmm. two top ten wideouts with Jameis. They're going to do the same thing with Brady. Not, not much is going to change with Brady at the helm. I mean, both guys are still going to have a big year, I think. And Marcus brought up a good point with that they can use them three tight ends all they want. And they, they could stay, they could steal all that goal line work. Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. Brady's they're setting Brady up for success here with all the weapons he's got there. I mean, the secondary is still going to be bad, right? They didn't do anything to upgrade their <laughs> secondary. So they're still going to be throwing the ball. I think Brady is a more accurate passer than Winston. Well, you better. Holy, you mean that's I mean, come on. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> Brady's the GOAT, right? I mean, yeah. Winston, they were behind in every game and all his interceptions, a lot of that is, you know, they, they had to play catch-up ball. I mean, he had to throw the ball up. I mean, a lot of that wasn't his fault, but it was, you know what I mean? So, I mean, we didn't see Brady throw the ball a lot deep balls in New England. He never had to. They weren't built that way. They had all them. Edelman mm-hmm. was quick. All them guys. Uh, but I still think two, that these two guys are still going to still gonna succeed with Brady at the helm. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, I do think the Bucks defense will be a little bit better this year just because I felt like Jameis put, I mean, I'm not going to turn around and say that they're, you know, they're not going to be the 49ers. They're not going to be, you know, the Patriots or anything like that. But Jameis put them in bad situations a lot last year yeah. so that if you don't have Brady doing that, maybe that, that sort of helps them in the long run. Yeah. And they might have a little running game this year too, so which they yeah. haven't had really. They haven't had a yeah. running game in years. And now granted they, they were behind so they couldn't really use the run. But even when their running backs <laughs> got a chance, they couldn't do nothing. So Right. They, they're gonna be an interesting team this year, that's for sure. Definitely. It's Chris Godwin for me. Well, like I said, Chris Godwin over Mike Evans. I get some some backlash for that on Twitter. Like, no, Mike Evans. Like, yeah, Mike Evans is great. A thousand yards every year. It's not yeah. easy to do. But the dude just jumps up, catches the ball, falls down. I mean, it's not like good for him. You're six foot four. You can catch the ball when Jameis Winston throws those YOLO balls to him. But YOLO balls. I, I like that. I like yeah. that analogy. YOLO balls. It's, 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 uh, Chris Godwin, slot man, ran 50.5 percent of his routes outside the slot. You know how Brady loves to slot. Wes Welker. Julian Edelman, and now he gets the most athletic slot receiver he's ever had in his career. It's going to be the Randy Moss version in the slot. I'm going to call it now. Chris oh, Godwin is about to ascend. Awesome. You're going to say he's, he's Randy Moss? Ascend. No he's, one can be no, Randy I, Moss. No, I didn't say I said he's Randy Moss in the slot. No one can be Randy Moss. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Godwin. It's got God plus one equals goat. You know, he gets, he gets the goat over here. For me, it's between Randy Moss and... and oh, uh, yeah, we're not talking all time. Chris Godwin just broke out last year. I know. Year. I, okay, but, I just don't want to get carried away. No, I'm not. It's, it's going to be Tom Brady's miniature version of Randy Moss in the slot. He's almost a, I think he's a lock for top eight wide receiver this year. Number one in Yak last year. Number four in yards per target. There's going to be a little drop in yards per target, obviously, but the efficiency is going to increase with Tom Brady coming in. Last season, he was 41st among all wide receivers in catchable target percentage and outside the top 40 in target quality. 
but managed to rank third in contested catch rate. He's good at football. Tom Brady is not going to be having as many YOLO balls as Jameis Winston. <laughs> and Mike Evans, I'm not hating Mike Evans. I just rather have Godwin. Yeah. Mike Evans' true catch rate last year is 82.7%. Godwin's was 91.5%. Big downfield wide receiver. People were like, yeah, Brady's arm strength kind of struggled. I mean, he's going to take fewer deep shots, but would be more efficient on those deep shots. So I don't think Mike Evans gets as big as a bump people are saying, but he's, he's not going to be as good as Chris Godwin's going to be in this offense. It's kind of it's kind of built for him. Look what Bruce Arians did with Heinz Ward and all and Reggie Wayne and all that stuff. It's going to, it's going to be Chris Godwin's season for sure. A.J. Green dead. You like him a lot. You start out with him. But A.J. Oh. Green this year is coming back. He says he's healthy. He says he's motivated. Going as the wide receiver, 26 in the fifth round. Do you think that's a fair price and are you taking him there? I think if you take him there, it's a steal. Steal? I, I mean, look, okay. Ooh. Last year was a loss season. You know this is uh, 2020, not yeah. 2016, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I do realize that, but the poor guy's been hurt. It was a lost season. Uh, he missed the last 20 games with leg injuries, okay? Now he's 32 years old coming into the season. Went healthy. He can average 1,200 yards a season where he played 13 games. Unfortunately, there hasn't happened since... 2016, 2017, right? He hasn't done really anything since then. So you say he's he said he's healthy, he's ready to go. So if he can stay healthy in 2020, I mean, he could potentially be playing with the best quarterback he's ever had in the NFL. Oh, you don't like the red rifle? I mean, (laughs) you bring in Joe Burrow. Now, the hype is on him too. Is he going to be able to perform? We'll see. So I think it's the best quarterback he's had, Mm -hmm. right? So I think he could resume his alpha role in this offense. It's oh. a risk taking him, but that risk could pay off too. So I, where he's going in drafts, even in dynasty, he's no one's been picking him. He's Why are you talking dynasty? Through. We're talking redrafts over here. But I'm just saying, yeah. in dynasty, people are staying away from him. But if you want to win this season, he's a guy you want to get. Yeah. And redraft, redraft is one year. I'm getting A.J. Green in every mm-hmm. draft if I can. Yeah, I, I also, I'll take the shot. I'll take the risk. I also like A.J. Green in the fifth round. Dwyer he 26. Healthy, he's got top 15 upside if he's sure. healthy. Whenever he's played at least 13 games in the season, he's topped 1,000 yards or more. And now, like you mentioned, Joe Burrow's in town. He says he's healthy and he says he's good to go and he's working hard to get back. And, he, you know, he's got a, he's 31 years old. He's kind of he's getting up there. Marcus, are you buying into the A.J. Green being back? I, I keep trying to talk myself into AJ. So here's the thing. I will I will preface this by saying last year um, in an auction league, I I got AJ Green, I think relatively cheap. I think it was like eight or ten, eight or ten bucks uh, in an auction league. And so like I played that game where I held on to him pretty much all season. Because like one, I was like, okay, I kept like, okay, okay. I was like, all right, I'm I'm committed. Okay, I'm gonna miss eight games with AJ Green. That's fine. I'm all in for that. And then it just kept dragging on and on. And so at some point I'm like, well, I'm pot committed now. Like I'm staying with this thing and I'm going to, I'm going to try to see this out. Uh, obviously that didn't work out. Uh, so, so I will admit I'm maybe a little bit bitter, but I am trying to talk myself back into it. I think for me with AJ green, it's, it's a situation. It is, it's more a situation of roster construction, right? Like if I start and I've done this in, in multiple mock drafts, uh, I've started wide receiver, wide receiver. If I do that, then I feel okay with AJ Green, you know, in the fifth or sixth round because I'm not necessarily counting on him to give me frontline production. So I just worry about, you know, the the leg, the foot uh, at this point in his career. Uh, if I if I'm not counting on him to be my my number one wide receiver every single week, then I feel a lot better about AJ Green. If I were to start maybe with two running backs, um, 
and and then I'm looking at wide receiver, I think I'm a little bit more hesitant. So it really just depends, I think, for me on how I start my draft and what what level of production I would need out of AJ Green in order for me to be successful week after week. Yeah, definitely a risky pick. And if you do have the wide receivers already intact, he's worth that wide receiver three kind of upside play. As your wide receiver one or two, it's a little bit more scary because yeah. you know you're not going to be guaranteed production. So, so on that note, Marcus, do you like going wide receiver, wide receiver, or do you like running back, running back, or does it, or, or do you let the draft dictate what you do? I sort of do. I mean, it kind of sort of depends where I land. I've, I've noticed that when I am more in the back half of the of the first round, then I tend to go with wide receivers to start with. If I'm, if I'm early, you know, if I'm one, two or three, uh, I'll probably go. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely starting a running back if I'm in the top three uh, of, of a draft. And, you know, then whatever happens in the second round, I'll, I'll sort of I'll sort of do it based on what happens around me. But um, I've just noticed in a lot of mock drafts, if I am, you know, six, seven or later, uh, I tend to have gone a lot of, of wide receivers and I've gone a lot of times I've gone Devontae Adams uh, first round. Like I've, I've kind of been able to go Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin Ooh. to start off in a yeah. lot of these mock drafts, which man, I'm, yeah. if that could happen in real life, yeah. I'll be over the right. moon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's definitely a good, a good wide receiver start right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Devontae Adams has over 600 target upside this year with Aaron Rodgers not getting any help. It's, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I see 200 targets from him this year. He's going to push Michael Thomas for that one. We'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> you and I, this quarantine, we've watched all the Marvel movies in order because you want to see All them. of them. Yeah, well, you know, you're like, which ones do I got to watch before Endgame? I'm like, let me, let me tell you. We'll just watch them all. What else are you going to do? <laughs> Sit here and just, you know, you got to do something. So I'm a big Marvel guy. I love my Avengers. We're talking Infinity War. And now Marcus is a... Uh, you like superheroes as well, so I do. Dad, we'll kick it off with you first, since I think you're a little newer into this. Who who are your three favorite Avengers out of all of them? Well, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. No, no, not not that. I'm talking Avengers. I'm talking superheroes. Oh, one, the two, heroes, three. not movies. Oh, oh I, I thought you were talking movies. No. Um, I like Captain America. Ah, it's that's one. Who's who's two? <laughs> That's Thor. A, I like Thor. Okay, and who who's number three? Probably the girl. Which girl? I don't know. I don't know her name. Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, that's everyone loves Scarlett Johansson. Everybody likes Scarlett Johansson. You can't hate Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I'll watch every movie. With Thor. Johansson. Thor's probably my favorite. Yeah, all right. he's overpowered as shit. Oh, but yeah. you know, my my favorite. <laughs> I'm a big Rocket guy. I don't know what it is about Rocket. Something about Rocket. You know, me it's Bradley. Cook. I don't know. It's just Rocket. My favorite Avenger usually is Rocket. Then I have to go with Thor. You know, you gotta love Thor and his uh, his uh, just the, the humor he's got with that. And then number three for me is Spider Man. I'm a big Spider Man fan as well. Marcus, who are your top three Avengers? Uh, well, Spider Man for me, just because he is my favorite superhero of all time. Good. Um. I always feel like he's the people's champ. Yes, um, exactly. So he's number one. Uh, I'd probably go Black Panther 2. And then ooh, 3 is a tough call. I think I would probably go with... The, no. Maybe maybe Star-Lord. Um, Star-Lord. Star you know? Like I, I think just uh, he's sort of that right mix. Again, he's, he's kind of a, a, 
like your everyman sort of guy. Uh, you know, plus he's got the best soundtrack, right? I mean, exactly. <laughs> he's got his tapes. He's got he's got the best soundtrack. Easily, Guardians <laughs> One is my favorite yeah. Avenger movie out of all of them. The soundtrack in both one and two is is just you can't compare it to like any other movie. It's just insane. Now the Rock is gonna be a is that gonna be no? An that's Avenger, Black Adam. That's, that's DC. That's DC. That's that's DC. That's DC. It should be interesting. Yeah. That should be interesting though. Yeah, my dad's yeah, a, good my dad's a big The Rock guy. Loves love the, the Rock. Rock. Anything you you and Dwayne Johnson could get married. Honestly, I love I The Rock and his little sidekick, his little buddy. Oh, see, I well, you know what? Then I, let me make a recommendation. You should reach out to to my pal and colleague Adam Rank. Uh, I get him on the show because not only is he he a big DC uh, comic book guy, but he loves The Rock. He will he will try to tell me with a straight face uh, that San Andreas and Skyscraper are two of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> so so you should get him on the show and you can have a long oh, conversation man, with him about The Rock. That'd be awesome. Well, I love the guy I'm ranking on the show. I mean, we're having uh, the old Danger Zone duo. We're having James Coe come on this month also for Sweet. some time. So nice. we got Adam Rank on too. And before we get off this Avengers topic, when we watch Spider-Man, the, the first one of the, the series, you're like, yeah, that wasn't that good. But you don't understand. He's the people's champ. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's not going to be overpowered. <laughs> you can't be overpowered if you're just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. I was trying to get, you know, it's the perspective. Spider-Man, so, yeah, I love it. So here's my here's my, my argument in favor of, of Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, right? Is that like, you know, like Superman uh, literally was not one of us. He is an alien from another planet. He is not human, exactly. right? Exactly. Uh, you know, Batman slash Bruce Wayne, Iron Man slash Tony Stark are sort of they're, they're trust fund kids, right? Like they don't, <laughs> you know, whatever. Peter Parker, like he was picked on in high school. He was trying to make the girl next door like him. Uh, he started working his way through school and his boss was a jerk. Like he had real like everyday people problems, yeah. so I always sort of appreciated that about him. Yeah, that's, that's you can, you can relate point. to him more than you can to a Thor. You're not going to be the god of thunder coming out of the air with a freaking hammer. Like a Spider Man, you can you can kind of envision yourself. Okay, that's more like, realistic. You know, exactly. You you have you know you probably have some of those problems, or people you know have some of those problems. Oh, you know? so, exactly. It's not easy ranking those uh, the top three Avengers because there's so many good ones. Later in drafts, there's a lot of good late-round wide receiver values that's hard to choose from. You have guys going very, very close to each other. You have Alshon Jeffrey, Jamison Crowder, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Robbie Anderson, Preston Williams. So, Dad, you have to pick one of those. Who, who are you going with and why? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to pick up. That's why I said it's tough to pick. I don't, I don't ask easy <laughs> questions. I'm not going to ask you would you better have Christian McCaffrey or Ronald Jones. I'm going to ask you some tough questions. The guy with the most upside out of all of them, I believe, is Jameson Crowder. But I'm going to take Preston Williams. Okay, last year mm-hmm. last year he didn't get, get much recognition at all, right? But then when he did, what does he do? He goes down with a season-ending injury, right? Uh, there's some risk drafting a player coming off a major knee surgery. I mean, he's only 23 years old. Uh, Williams and Parker – are still going to emerge as the main targets there. I, I think uh, Conor McGregor is going to start out as the quarterback. Uh, <laughs> Tua, and he's done very well. He's done very yeah. well there in Miami. Mm-hmm. So eventually Tua is going to take that job away uh, sometime during the year. But Parker's price is much higher than Williams, making the better value Preston Williams. Preston Williams. Nothing to hate on Preston Williams. As a Dolphins fan, I can't hate I mean, yeah, on Preston Williams. Yeah, you know, like I said, the poor guy, he got, he got hurt last year, so. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how he see, recovers. We'll see how he comes back. Marcus, who, who are you going with out of these guys? No, I'm, I'm 100% with Paul oh, on, oh. on Preston Williams oh. right there. No, I, I do. Especially because, you know, I, I, I do these mock drafts and stuff, and I still see him hanging around in the double-digit rounds, mm-hmm. and I just, I just wonder, did, do people – forget did everybody forget what he did before he got hurt and i know we spent 
the back half of last season talking about the Devontae Parker breakout because we had been waiting, what, like five years for this to happen, and, like, it finally did. I went through puberty um, for the whole time when that happened, honestly. I was yeah, sitting there, I was right. talking, like, a little high-pitched voice, and I came out of it when Devontae Parker finally broke out. I'm a man now. Look at that. Seriously. There's a, there's a whole generation of fantasy managers who came of age waiting for Devontae Parker to do things, right? And so, like, that was always what I kept saying to people last year, I'm like, hey, look, this is great, and we finally got what we wanted to happen, but let's keep in mind that this probably doesn't happen, at least it doesn't happen the same way if Preston Williams is healthy. So uh, I think, like like Paul said, with the value you get, the disparity in value between Parker, uh, you know, coming off the board, I've seen like fifth, sixth round in some some cases, um, versus waiting till the double-digit rounds to get Preston Williams, yeah. uh, I'm smashing that button all day if he's still there. Yeah. yeah. I like Preston Williams, but the answer for me is Jamison Crowder. I, you could probably get both, honestly. Just double tap it at the 11th, 12th round kind of thing. Just double tap it. But Jamison Crowder is the only wide receiver on the Jets that's still on the Jets from last year. He has the report with Sam Darnold. Steady producer with some spike leaks, despite being 95th in the league in target quality rating, which is Sam Darnold. you got to improve that. Maybe it was the mono. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe get back. <laughs> improved offensive line. Well, they got to score. That's, that's yeah, the improve, problem. They Darnold they gotta, has they talent. Improved offensive line going into year three. Still younger. Than some Joe Burrow, I believe, is the the crazy stat among wide receivers with at least seventy percent slot rate. Jameson Crowder was third in targets inside the five and tied for third in targets inside the ten. And per Mike Tagliere, slot targets are ten point eight percent more valuable than perimeter targets. So it's a bump to Crowder, and at that price, he's going to have a nice little steady volume floor and be a constant producer for your team with some spike weeks. I'm all I'm all for Jameson Crowder. People are going to be sleeping on him and Preston Williams, so that's my guy. Adam Adam Gaze doesn't scare you? Oh, well, see, it's the thing. Adam Gaze, he sucks. He, he's, <laughs> he's the worst coach I think any franchise could like, possibly have. But this year, you're either going to get a good Adam Gaze or he's gone the year after. So, I mean, hopefully he steps it up. I, Crowder is, I mean, I just I just, I just, just made a list of all the guys I was calling the the Adam Gaze expats who, like, succeeded. Like, like Devontae Parker yeah. uh, was one. Kenyon, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake, Drake. Ryan Tannehill. I mean, there was, like, a handful of guys yeah. who, like, got free of Adam it's, Gaze. It's and, and went berserk, and so like I've been I've been lobbying for the Jets to like trade Le'Veon Bell because I want him to come back into our lives again this season, yeah. and it just won't happen I think in New York. Yeah, Adam, Adam Gaze. The Jets just don't score. I'm sick of watching their game because we're in New York, so <laughs> that's why I get the I get the red zone so I can I, I don't have to watch the Jets. <laughs> I'm sick of these scoring three. 10 oh, points Adam a game. Is so <laughs> they hired him. My one friend's a Jets fan. He's like, oh, I'm hyped by Adam Gaze. I'm like, you're, oh, you should not be hyped by Adam no. Gaze when they sign this guy. You, you oh. will. In a year from now, you're going to come back to me and say, oh, you were right. Adam Gaze is the worst thing on planet Earth. I don't know how he's still in the NFL. <laughs> Teams just recycling no. these bad coaches. So just go to the college. Uh, do what Panthers did. Get a Matt Rule. Get a Joe Brady. Get something new in the, in the NFL. So Adam Gaze is probably gone after this year. He's not good. Raheem Mostert last year went off down the stretch and especially in the playoffs people saw this guy is for real undrafted free agent he's currently going as a running back 25 in drafts mid fifth round according to ff calculator i like him as a player do i like him for fantasy i kind of do i'm kind of digging raheem moster it, it's fifth round's a little bit pricey weeks 13 and 17 last year he had three top 12 weeks and two of those weeks were top five weeks so he gave those boom weeks and he seemed like he was running away with the job towards the end of the season San Francisco, a good run-blocking team. They ranked 6th in run-blocking efficiency. Last season, Raheem Mostert was 4th in yards per touch, 6th in breakaway runs, and 17th in juke rate, which is evaded tackles per touch. The system is great, and their defense is pretty good, which leads them to be in positive game script. They had the 4th friendliest game script, which leads to more rushing attempts for Raheem Mostert. 
I'm buying. I'm buying the hype. They also added Brandon Ayuk this year in the draft, which should open things up. They got rid of Matt Breida. Hopefully, some more touches for him. The only person in consequence right now is Tevin Coleman. I do like Jermichael Hasty, but I don't know if he's going to happen in year one. It's kind of like the same players where he Mostert just younger, so they're probably going to wait till after this year. Let Mostert go, and Jermichael Hasty's going to come in. So keep an eye out for him in, in your deep dynasty waivers. Jermichael Hasty. It's going to be a hot hand situation. That's the thing that kind of scares me about this backfield. So do you think Raheem Mostert's going to run away with the job, Marcus, or do you think they're going to come with a hot hand situation here? I think uh, <clears throat> so. I, you know, I talked about Adam Rank, and he coined a phrase that I love a few years ago um, called Shanahanigans, which <laughs> referred originally referred to Mike Shanahan and sort of how he used his running backs and, and how you can never completely predict that sort of thing. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan, I think, has inherited that as well, which that's maybe the one thing that makes me concerned. I'll, I'll tell you that in a, I did a dynasty startup draft, and this was actually we, – we did our startup draft uh right around the time of the actual nfl draft and so as it was getting late i drafted mostert just to kind of like you know hey you know let's just take a shot and let's get mostert i know there's some other guys there and i think i made the pick and then like a couple hours later i see that the niners have traded matt Breida to miami and i'm like i feel like a genius <laughs> like you know I felt, I felt a lot smarter then uh, since then, I you know his ADP has gone up significantly, um, but I've still taken him in in the fifth round in a lot of drafts, and I feel pretty good about it because even if the Niners move other guys in, I mean I think what we saw last year at, in the playoffs sort of suggested that they lost some faith in Tevin Coleman. I mean he just vanished completely from the game plan in a couple of those playoff games, so that makes me feel better about it. But I, you know I draft Mostert hoping for the best, but understanding that, you know, knowing how Shanahan uses his running backs, that, that kind of anything could happen. So it, it also kind of forces me to make maybe take another guy or two behind him that I can fall back on in case things get a little bit sideways. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's just, it's not like a comfortable pick, but you're going to feel good about it if he has those big weeks. You just got to make sure you start him those weeks, and that's going to be the problem. I mean, you look what problem. he's done. He, he did most of his work in the playoffs on, in the run to the Super Bowl, right? And Bre- mm-hmm. Breed is gone. So I, I think that ups the value of Coleman a little bit. Uh, with the three of them there, it was tough for Coleman. Now I think Coleman comes back into the picture, and Shanahan does like the committee back backfield. Uh, so I, I think the, with Mozart, the only thing with me is not the receiving back out of the backfield, so he's kind of not a three-down back, which is why I think right. they're going to stick with that committee and use Coleman on a lot of third downs. Um, so it's hard for me to predict what he's going to do with, with Coleman there. Yeah, San Francisco last. But I mean, this guy. He, so not, not to interrupt you, but he hit twenty miles per hour four times. Yeah. Have you <laughs> ever hit twenty miles per hour? I do. No. <laughs> I, I, like outside of a car? <laughs> like no. <laughs> On four rushes, twenty Most miles an hour. Guys. Now there, there's, that's a feat that only seven players have reached. Green Those, Bay Packers fans. I mean, do not seven like R, I don't know, but. 20 miles, you go out there now and try to run 20 miles an hour. I can't run 20 miles per hour. He's also, he's also, uh, he's also like a champion surfer, which I don't know what that has to do with oh, anything, surfer? but I just think it's really? a, he's a surfer. Like he's, he's been in like actual legitimate surfing competitions. Really? Oh. I, I don't know what that has to do with anything football wise, but I just think it's a fun stock. fact. I gotta of, take him in the first round now. I did not know that. <laughs> I'm gonna take Marie Moster and then Henry Ruggs. I'll get someone that can dunk a basketball <laughs> and win a dunk contest probably, and I'll get a, an all pro surfer. I'm okay with that. That's the news to me. San Francisco also last year was second and run plays behind Baltimore. I mean, of course, you have Lamar Jackson running the ball, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to run the ball like no. Lamar Jackson, obviously. It's not even close no, to no. that. So you can kind of argue that San Francisco is the most run-heavy team. And well, then, Jimmy G, didn't, he didn't even have to throw much. 
at the end either. No, he didn't have how many passes? Well, I wouldn't want Jimmy to throw Jimmy G to throw that much <laughs> either, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But and also another uh, little thing that's kind of going under the radar: they traded for Trent Williams in the draft. They got mm-hmm. Trent Williams from Washington, and that's going to help out the running game even more. So. I'm, it's wheels up for Ricky Mostert. The fifth round price, I don't know if I'll be able to pay that. If I'll say the sixth round, it's going to probably be an auto select for me. But with the hype now that we know he's an all pro surfer as well, it's, it's not <laughs> going to be as easy to get him there. Hype's around Tom Brady. He's going to Tampa Bay. Can he win a Super Bowl? I don't know. There's some hype going around Carson Wentz, too. He's finally got some weapons. He's not going to be throwing to Greg Ward every time. He's got Jalen Rager. So <laughs> that's going to be a big plus. But they're going back to back right now. Dad, who do you got, Carson Wentz or Tom Brady? You know, I got to take the GOAT. You gotta take the goat, Tom. Gotta, I'll give you a little on Wentz. Wentz, Wentz has showed QB, QB one elite play on several occasions throughout his career, right? But he has yet to put together a full season with that kind of play, right? That's the problem. I mean, he got hurt. He's back. He did finish two, 2019 playing well without having any real weapons on offense, right? Now you got Jackson, Jeffrey. You gotta say Rager first. Rager. Well, so Jackson. So Jackson. Jackson and Jeff Jeffrey are back. Uh, oh, you can. I use... like Jackson, but oh, they get, Zach they get hurts. Hurt. Well, forget about Zach hurts. Well, listen. <laughs> Dallas, go there. They get hurt. That's the problem with these guys. The, the talent is unbelievable. If they could stay healthy, if if Deshaun Jackson can stay healthy, I want him on every team I have. But I just, I just can't. You just can't. So now they added three wideouts, right? Mm-hmm. Three wideouts, so he's got more targets to throw to. That all basically run sub four fours. That's kind of that's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> so it's exciting. He's got three new wide receivers there. We'll see what he can do. Because if he can't, Jalen Hurts is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Hurts is going to be ready to come in. But I, he should be better this year than he was last year. Now Brady, we already talked about. He's the goat. What hasn't this guy done? You don't get fantasy points for Super Bowl rings, though. It doesn't matter. He's got six, dude. Yeah, but does it, we're talking. It we're talking. Matter. We're talking 2020. It we're not matter. talking. You don't get points for Super Bowl <laughs> wins in the past. We already talked about this. They put all the weapons around this guy to make him succeed. They're not going to fail. The refs are on his side. He's still going to be the Tom Brady he was in New England. Only now, I think he's got more weapons than he had the last two years in New England. Right? Having Evans and Godwin could bring Brady back to the back end, probably of the QB one territory, easily. Right now, he's going what? Probably wide receiver or uh, quarterback. 14, 15? I don't know, man. I don't have this I stuff think. memorized. <laughs> so, I mean, he's capable of throwing 4,400 yards, 30 touchdown seasons. If if you don't grab a tight end, take all the confidence. Have all the confidence in the world by taking Brady. I don't have a problem with him this year. QB 9 and 10. Really? That, he's up 9 and 10? He's at 9. So, I mean, <laughs> coming to this offense, he's going to do well. I'm not worried about Brady. Yeah. Marcus, who do you got between these two guys? Uh, uh, you know – I think my my brain my brain is telling me that Tom Brady is the pick there, right? Just because you know, like Paul mentioned, one he's got uh, he's got consistent weapons, mm. right? Like Godwin, Evans, guys who I know they were hurt last three year. Tight but generally have three stayed, tight ends, like you mentioned earlier. Three too. tight ends yeah. as well. I mean, there are guys there. Um, if I were going to be bold and maybe swing for the fences, I think I would look at Wentz just because. At some point, you just hope the stars align, right? Because, you know, like you mentioned, one one year or a couple of years, it's Wentz that gets hurt. Last year, I mean, literally by the end of the season, they were the Eagles were pretty much running the three of us out at wide receiver, right? Because everybody else got hurt. That's how bad it was. So, like, at some point, you figure the stars have to align. And if they do, I mean, I think Carson Wentz has, has you know, top five quarterback upside. It's just, am I, am I bold enough to, to make that move? I mean, so far I haven't in any mock drafts, 
Um, I haven't done that. And so I think, you know, the, the, the fantasy skeptic in me who always wants to see it first before making a move would probably lean toward Brady. Yeah, I got to agree with you. It's, it's Tom Brady for it's me. Hard. I mean, it's hard to go against Brady, right? It's hard. I mean, I like Wentz. Wentz did really good right. down the stretch with Greg Ward and who who the heck knows <laughs> what else at wide receiver. Now he gets some weapons. I think Wentz is underrated as well. Tom Brady, though, joining Bruce Arians, we mentioned Chris Godwin and Mike Evans earlier, both studs. And then you get Gronk back. That's a, that's a big thing. Whenever Gronk, even if he's seventy five percent of what Gronk was, he's still going to be a top ten tight end in fantasy, and that that's good. You know, you got that connection, that rapport in the red zone. Cameron Bray, OJ Howard. I drafted Tristan Wirfs. That's that's an upgrade for the offensive line. Keyshawn Vaughn's better pass blocker than Ronald Jones, and I think he can kind of catch passes out of the backfield. But even if he can't. Well, I, think Ronald, I think Ronald Jones is going to be the the guy there in the beginning. Nah, I don't think we'll uh, Vaughn's going to come yeah, in. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I, I think Jones. I think Jones will be the starter at the beginning yeah. of the year. You know, and Vaughn. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Vaughn ends up taking that job later. But I think it'll be a start where Tom Brady drops back, gets <laughs> sacked, looks at Bruce Arians, says, "Get this guy out of here. You can't pass protect for shit." And uh, get it, get in here, Keyshawn Vaughn. He's no. going to come in. He's going to pass protect better than Ronald Jones. It's going to matter for him. So <laughs> I will. I will say in for fantasy, like Tom Brady is. The new what I what I call the new um, patron saint of the church of wait on a quarterback for like people who like to wait because for years I mean it was always guys like Matthew Stafford, Philip Rivers, uh, I think Matt Ryan to an extent. These guys were if you want to wait on a quarterback is you don't you know you don't want to draft a guy until like the tenth or eleventh round like they're they'll be there and they'll give you consistent production and I think that's what Brady's going to be this year. Like I you know I don't think he'll have a lot of blow up games. You're not going to get a ton of you know, 300 yard, three or four touchdown games. Um, but you'll just kind of get a lot of steady consistency where every week, you know, you can count on Brady for 18 to 20 points. That's not necessarily, you know, video game type numbers, but they're also not going to kill you every week. I think I think that's who Tom Brady is going but, to be this year. But, yeah, but, but even if you're waiting on a quarterback, that 18 to 20 <clears> points is, is pretty good numbers. It's great. Pretty good yeah. numbers no, absolutely. Not a, no doubt. Yeah. And then last season – people will knock uh, Tampa Bay's offensive line. They're like, oh, it's not that good. But Brady last season was 18th in protection rate. Winston was 20th, but that was without Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs' first-round pick, you got to expect it to be hopefully top 15 if they all improve with hopefully some run block with the Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn. Somehow, I don't know I don't know how I saw this stat. I had to double-take and refresh my browser to make sure it wasn't fake. Tom Brady was top 10 in red zone carries last year. I mean, that, that's... <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> Carries, ten in red zone carries among quarterbacks last year. I was, I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Tom Brady, the dude who runs like a seven point eight forty. Sure about that? I'm, I'm sure about it because uh, he hadn't heard any weapons to throw to. Now he's probably not going to be top ten in red zone carries because he had this guy running a ball. It's, I think it was all the QB sneaks and he just failed. I mean, that does. That does explain a lot about Sony Michelle's season, though. You know, Sony Michelle. A little story what is... about Sony Michelle. Two years ago, I took him in a redraft early. In the first game, he scored three touchdowns. And that was that was that was uh, that was two years. That ago. was Mike Gillisey. You you get the was Patriots. <laughs> that was Mike right, Gillisey. Never mind. Never mind. You know I even said it. <laughs> anyway. You know what? I get it. They're all they're all kind of interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these guys You're are sort right. of interchangeable. You're right. It was it was it was him. He scored three touchdowns uh, in the first game. Then nothing the rest of the season. That was it. Nothing the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, Mike Gillisey disappointed. You should have sold high when you could. I was yeah, going to buy yeah. him from you too. Thank goodness I did not. Thank yeah. you for being stubborn. Now, yeah. he's got wide receivers you can trust. Last season, Tom Brady was still number one in red zone attempts last year with over 100 red zone attempts. So, ninth in deep ball completion percentage. People who knock his deep ball completion, he was top 10 in the league, and he was top 15 in attempts last year. He still got it. 7.6 yards per attempt with Tom Brady. That's 10th in the league. 
I, it's wheels up for me. I think he has some upside now with some with the Yak Monster and Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is better than well, I'm not gonna say well right now he's better than Nikhil Harry, but I'm I'm really high on the Nikhil Harry hype train. It's happening probably not this year, but in two years, <laughs> don't be surprised when Nikhil Harry's a top twelve wide receiver. Uh, I would, I'm would, not. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be the number one there. There's no doubt. I mean, it's events. It's it's a matter of time. Yeah, for me though, it's Tom Brady over Carson Wentz. Marcus, before we get you out of here. I'm going to need a bold prediction. I mean, I'm thinking bold, but you got to go a little bit bolder than bold. I need a bold prediction for fantasy this year. So what are you, you going to give us? Ooh, let's see. My bold prediction for fantasy football this year, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to say that <clears throat> Johnu Smith is going to end up being a tight end one. Uh, I'm going to say that <clears throat> Johnu Smith is going to end up being a tight end one. Yeah. I like it. And that's the show. Wow. I like it. <laughs> Tell us why, Mark. That's my bold prediction. Well, I mean, look, obviously, A.J. Brown was fantastic last year in Tennessee. Um, but uh, look, this Titans offense can't survive on AJ Brown alone. Um, you know, Derrick Henry was fantastic, but we saw that you know, look, they they took off when Ryan Tannehill uh, took over as the starting quarterback. I don't expect Tannehill to be as crazy efficient as he was last season. Um, he's going to have to spread the football around. I feel like the Corey Davis experiment has come to an end, and, and there's just really nobody else there. Uh, now Jonu Smith steps into the, the void left by Delaney Walker in that offense. And I could really see a situation where when things are starting to break down, Tannehill looks his direction. And, and look, let's also keep in mind, like being a top 10 tight end because of the position lately, uh, it, it hasn't been, I won't say incredibly difficult. I mean, look, Jason Witten was the tight end 11 and that dude just catches the ball and falls down. Like that's literally all he did. And he was, he was the tight end 11 last year. So um, wow. You know, I, I think I, I think though it's sort of bold because nobody's really thinking about Jonu Smith. I think you know only only us only us degenerates are really talking about Jonu Smith, and I think the general population hasn't really paid attention to him. But um, I, I think I think he's going to surprise a lot of people we, with his production. We, we're doing a, a startup dynasty draft right now. We're in like the the twenty third round, and we waited waited on a tight end, and our first tight end off the board was was Jonu, and I don't know what round it was. What round was it? You know. It 12. was late. It was way late. 12, round 12, tight end premium league. It was, it was, yeah, it's tight end premium, okay. too. So yeah. we ended we up got waiting. got him as tight end 16. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So I like that. I like John that. Smith. Well, I hope you're right on with that bold he, he is. He is going to be right on. Last season, Jonu Smith was third in missed tackles forced among tight ends behind Kittle and Kelsey. He had 14. This guy, 94 percentile burst score, 82nd percentile catch radius, 83rd percentile speed score. He's going into his third year. Tight ends take a while to learn. That's a perfect pick. Take a while. Mm -hmm. And last season, he was catching screen passes. No tight end you're going to see is catching screen passes. Just YouTube, look it up right now. Johnny Smith screen pass takes to the house. <laughs> he even got some carries out of the backfield. No tight end is getting carries out of the backfield. That's, that's, that's a perfect bull take. 
and I love it. I'm on the Johnny Smith. We love it train. because we got him. If I'm we going late that. round tight end, <laughs> if I'm going late round tight end, I'm going Johnny Smith this year over a guy like Hayden Hurst because he's cheaper. I like he's, Hayden well, Hayden Hurst is going top twelve. Johnny Smith's going like fifteenth. But you're just copy pasting <laughs> Austin right. Hooper's stats. I'll yeah. put a prediction right now. I think Johnny Smith outscores Hayden Hurst this year. Do you want to put that on the table? Ooh. Ooh. I like Hayden Hurst a lot this year. I'll say the Titans I love this year. I love Hayden Hurst. I love Hayden Hurst. Uh, I like Johnu. I like Mike Gesicki. Mike Gesicki, um, Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of tight ends hanging around at the bottom half of drafts that, that I really like. I like Hayden Hurst, too. I'm just no, saying. that bet keep... is on the table. Right. It's on the table, table right now. <laughs> I, I am taking Hayden Hurst I'll over take John Smith. Smith. Uh, I mean, Hayden Hurst I like, but you can't expect him to have the same yeah. kind of production as Austin Hooper. Dude, like, what if Austin Hooper's good? I don't care. People are kind of saying, like, oh, Hayden Hurst could be this year's Mark That's Andrews. Think, well, guess what? But I think... I, I think Hayden Hurst. I think Hayden Hurst is good too. I thought he was good coming out of college. He just do the 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 Ravens hoard tight ends like toilet paper, man. Like that was the problem. So he just couldn't get on the field. Now he, so now he's got a chance to get on the oh field. Oh yeah, snapped. now he's going on in Atlanta. Who's going to be pass heavy, dude? You lost that bet. It, it's a, it's, I, I, I like both guys. Put a star. I, I listen. I love both of the guys, but. Future shows, we're gonna. I'm gonna have some. Atlanta's gonna be so pass heavy. No, I'm gonna have. Uh, 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 yeah, he's dude. getting okay. his shares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, John I'll is take them both. How's that? But we just put the bet on the table. <laughs> yeah. Give us something to jaw about later on. Marcus, if people don't know and are not following you on Twitter or don't even know what you do, say they're listening. You're like, who's this Marcus guy? I mean, I don't know how you can be listening and be like, who's this Marcus guy? But if some for some reason they live underneath the rock or I don't know, like Patrick Star, where can they find you on Twitter and what do you do in this industry? Yeah, uh, excuse me. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus G. It's M A R C A S G, uh, spelled a little differently. Uh, if you don't know, I work for this little mom and pop organization called the National Football League. Uh, so we do a, we do a podcast comes out a couple times a week. The uh, the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find that. You know all all the usual suspects. You know uh, Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, all those places. You can find it there. Um, yeah, so we do the podcast. You can find us. We'll, we'll do stuff uh, on YouTube, social media, all those places. So uh, I am I am probably in more places than the law allows. Uh, but uh, yeah, come come hang out with us. Do stuff with us. Uh, it's fun. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, go check awesome. that out. Subscribe to that podcast as well. Subscribe to this podcast. You made this far. I'm listening and enjoy it. We'll be back. This episode's going to be airing out Monday. So if you guys are liking what you hear, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time. See you.